Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. If you're joining us for the first time, Trail Mix is the short format episodes of our show. While our long format episodes explore one hiking trail in one national park, one park at a time, Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in our long format episodes. That's right. And this Trail Mix is all about ghost towns. Okay, so spooky season is... I know. We're in it. Haven't you noticed that my full power (laughs) is here? Well, the beard is here at like full force. Full force. This is very long for me right now. It is. It's the longest I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very ginger. Mm, It is with some salt and pepper right about here. A little salt and pepper. It's good. It's good. You know. Yeah. Where it counts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, mm-hmm. right. What are you looking forward to this spooky season? Just the cooler weather and the sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> the bloodletting. <laughs> bloodletting. Exactly. Um, the what about summer, you? <laughs> well, I mean, the summer sort of left here like a thief in the night. It did. Like, it was abrupt. One day it was summer, and then the next day it was abruptly fall, and yeah. it has been fall ever since. Yeah. Ain't no complaints. So, no. No complaints. Summer yeah. was pretty hot here yeah. right yeah. and uh, and so yeah I'm, I'm really embracing the cooler weather mm-hmm, right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm here for it um I am looking forward to like things I say every year that I'd never get to but I'd love to watch some more spooky things for the yeah. month you know and embrace that you know I like the decorations for this time of yes. year um so I need to do some porch decorating I think this weekend yeah I just like the idea like the, there's a crispness to the air and you can tell that everything changes there it is there it is, there it is. Yeah. because if you're anything you're Jenna from Waitress that's right musical I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that very much. Yeah. I do love, I mean, I love walking, obviously, because mm-hmm. we're, we're hikers, but the fall strolls are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like, oh, let's just go stroll through this park that's got lots of beautiful leaves in it. Like, yeah. uh, I'm here for it. Honestly, I had never even heard of the term leaf peeping oh, yeah. until last year. Yeah. I, I was like, did that just suddenly I think show it's up? it's a very white thing. Oh, it yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Also, I'm not going to lie. The term sounds a little creepy and sketchy for me. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it feels very peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. Leaf peeping. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like saying it. That's not the thing I like to say mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I do like to go out and look at leaves. Mm-hmm. And You're an ogler, a leaf ogler. Oh, I don't like that yeah. either. No, nope. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a no from me too. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a glarer of leaves, a mm, gazer. An, <laughs> a gazer of leaves. Yeah, that's I'll right. take that. I do like a good warm soup. Mm. Oh yeah, soup season. Soup here. and also fireplace season. time. Oh yeah, yep. fire. Doing that later. Yes. That's what I love about spooky season. Me too. Right? And I do love telling ghost stories. Mm. Yeah. A ghost town is a term that sometimes means a place where there are no people. A place that once had people and now the people are gone. Or, as Merriam-Webster states, quote, A once flourishing town, wholly or nearly deserted, usually as a result of the exhaustion of some natural resource, end quote. The term ghost town, as a reference to an actual place, a community that once existed and no longer does, is often associated with the transition of industry. A town that once thrived because all the people there had jobs in a specific industry. But more and more now, as we uncover more and more history, the term ghost town most accurately applies to a place or town that once existed and no longer does, but begs the question, why? What happened here? And why are the people gone? In our exploration of America's newest national park, New River Gorge, we encountered Thurmond, a quote-unquote ghost town within the limits of the national park boundaries. And while Thurmond's history is connected to industry, not all ghost towns are made the same. In 1873, two events led to the creation of the town of Thurmond. The first was the completion of the Chesapeake and Ohio Railways, also known as the C&O Railways. The second was Captain William D. Thurmond receiving 73 acres of land as payment for some surveying work. Captain Thurmond quickly got into the railway business, specifically steam and coal, which were, at the time, the major fuel for trains. In the late 1880s, the Southside Junction Railway Bridge was constructed. This bridge that still exists today allowed for the crossing of the New River at the mouth of the Dunloop Creek. This bridge was a major connecting point and positioned these 73 acres of land as the center thoroughfare for the New River area. In 1903, Thurmond was incorporated into official town status. It began shipping coal from the surrounding coal fields. The boon from the coal and lumber industry of New River quickly made Thurmond the main railway stop on the CNO mainline. In 1910, Thurmond brought in more revenue and freight shipment than Cincinnati, Ohio, and Richmond, Virginia combined. And as business grew, so did Thurmond's popularity. During this time, 75,000 passengers visited Thurmond per year, and Thurmond Station received 15 passenger trains daily. The hotels and boarding houses were always full, and the stores and saloons saw huge financial success. According to the NPS, at Thurmond's peak, it featured two hotels, two banks, restaurants, clothing stores, a jewelry store, a movie theater, dry goods stores, and business offices. And the financial success continued through the 1920s. Okay, so based on this, what do you think is going to happen next? Bust. Bust. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is going to cause the bust? Um, electricity. Electricity. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Okay. Just like the colliding of two events made Thurmond, it was the colliding of two events that led to its decline. The first event started around 1917 with the introduction of roads to the New River Mm. area. As cars grew as the main mode of transportation, the demand for coal declined. Shipping less coal brought in less money. The second event was the Great Depression. 
Businesses in Thurman suffered, so business owners closed and moved elsewhere. This led to residents moving to other places. In addition to this, a fire destroyed a number of buildings in Thurmond, including ones that were necessary for infrastructure. Later in the 1940s, the CNO rail line began transitioning to diesel engine trains from its steam engines. This meant that the railway system that had been built in Thurmond would still be used, but the jobs connected to the steam engines were now obsolete. Around the late 1960s, whitewater rafting made its way to the area, tourism boomed, and the MPS designated the area New River Gorge National River. In 1995, the Thurman Depot was renovated into a visitor center, and the MPS is still responsible for other structural maintenance to other park-owned buildings in Thurmond. The, quote, ghost town, end quote, of Thurman can still be visited today, and Amtrak trains make a stop in Thurman three days a week, as well as a coal train which moves through multiple times a day. While it is referred to as a ghost town, there are still residents of Thurmond, and in 2014, amid a slew of queer discrimination bills, the five residents of Thurmond unanimously voted against the discrimination of LGBTQ people regarding employment, housing, and public accommodation, sending a very public message to the rest of America about the power of small-town politics. Well, hello, Thurmond. Right? Look, in, look at you, queer Thurmond. I know, mm-hmm. right? So. Thurmond von Queer. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Not I. I. That was a surprise. That is a surprise. Let's now turn our attention to another ghost town, also on land inside of the National Park boundaries, and that is over at the Lake Mead National Recreation Area. For context, Lake Mead was created by the building of the Hoover Dam and located in the land also called Nevada. Not far from the intersection of the Muddy River and Colorado River is a quote-unquote town that was founded in 1865 by Mormon settlers called St. Thomas. However, the first community that called the area home were the ancestral Puebloan people. Their dwelling later became known as the Lost City, and this dwelling has been recreated at the Lost City Museum in Overton, Nevada. Mormons settled this town because of the fruitful farmland and the access to the Colorado River as a water source. They also thought they were still within the Utah and Arizona territories. When it was confirmed that it was Nevada territory. Officials in Nevada asked for five years in back taxes. The Mormons didn't want to pay these back taxes, so they voted to abandon their crops and burn down their homes, except for one family. This led all of them to move to Salt Lake City. Wow. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, Mormonism. (laughs) Mormonism, Mm -hmm. right? Soon, new settlers moved into the area to grow crops on the fertile farmland. At the height of St. Thomas, it had about 500 residents, but in 1928, President Calvin Coolidge approved the bill to build the Hoover Dam, also known as the Boulder Dam. In 1935, Lake Mead began to form, and the residents were told they would have to relocate. The waters of Lake Mead began to rise, and soon the very last residents had to paddle away in a small boat. At its highest, the water in Lake Mead was 60 feet above the town of St. Thomas. Since 1938, there have been many moments in time where the water levels have revealed St. Thomas again. And since 2002, St. Thomas has remained visible. And as Lake Mead dries up more and more, literally by the moment, Mm -hmm. it continues to become more and more visible. This year, the lake has reached its lowest point in water elevation, a place that hasn't been since the lake began filling up in 1937. At this time, the NPS does allow visitors to access St. Thomas by car. Okay, so I'm seeing a little bit of a pattern here, right? Mm -hmm. At least in these 
towns that we have discussed. Mm-hmm. And it's like the thing that served as the impetus to create this town. Also was its downfall. Also served as the impetus for the decline. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like with Thurmond, it was like... Coal and... Yeah. Coal, steam, the rail line. Yeah. Then cars and the rail line shifts. Yeah. And that is the reason the town sure. declines. Same with this, this mm-hmm. access to water. Yeah. Like water in this fruitful farmland area yeah. is the reason why. And then water was also the reason yeah. why it was... Yeah in decline. It's poetic in some ways, isn't it? It is poetic in some Deeply ways. Deeply dark and poetic. Right. My my version of poetry. <laughs> exactly. Thurmond and St. Thomas are far from the only preserved quote-unquote ghost towns within the National Park Service. There is the abandoned mining town Blue Heron, which is located inside the Big South Fork River National River and Recreation Area, which is located in the land also known as Kentucky and Tennessee. The remaining structures of Blue Heron now serve as permanent educational installments about the work and life of the people of Blue Heron. There is also the town of Dye, the abandoned mine town in the Klondike Gold Rush National Historical Park in in the land also called Alaska. Before the gold rush, the Chilkat Tlingit people from Blue Kwan would use Dai as a home base to travel up the Chilkoot Trail to trade with other people in the interior. In 1897, the discovery of gold in the Yukon Territory made Dai overcrowded by settlers overnight. The indigenous people of the area were forced out of this area by sudden overpopulation. 150-plus businesses opened almost overnight in Dai. But with the completion of the nearby railroad, some natural disasters, and a decreased interest in the gold rush, the town that had sprung up in Dai was quickly abandoned. Today, nature has grown up over what has remained, and it is still possible to see some of what was built. There are the abandoned Sutro Baths in the Golden Gate National Recreation Area in the land also called California. There's the abandoned Grand Gulch Mine in Grand Canyon Parashant National Monument. The abandoned Cabin Ranch Pyrite Mine in Prince William Forest Park in the land also called Virginia. And there are many sites of former towns in Death Valley National Park in the land also called California. Yeah, so there's a lot of ghost towns in national park areas. Yes, and sometimes they're also called abandoned towns. Sure. Right? I think ghost towns is, I'm just going to say it, it's it's a fun sales term. Of course. It gets people to come and be like, ooh, what's this? You know what I mean? But yes, the more and more that we peel back the layers of like, who was here first? Right. And why were they here? And what was their impetus for coming here? The less and less spooky and sort of, you know, like, ooh, something feels... Right. And the more and more, like, logical and... Sure. ...clear and linear and motivated the reasons why the remnants of this town exist. Sure. Well, it's anthropology as opposed to, like, pseudoscience when you really break it down. Yeah. It's less ooh and... Ah, <laughs> and more ah, <laughs> uh, I guess I should say. But yes, yeah. the clarity around Yeah, those. oh, totally, 1,000. And it definitely is marketing, for sure. And while many ghost towns exist due to a shift in industry, many others across America have a much more sinister origin, like that of Dai in the land also called Alaska. Around 70 miles south of Fresno, California, is another ghost town called Allensworth, the only town in California founded, financed, and governed by black people. 
Founded under the name Salido, it was then changed to reflect the man whose idea it was to create it, Alan Allensworth. Allensworth had escaped enslavement in 1862. After a stint in the Navy, he studied theology at Roger Williams University. He soon became the U.S. Army chaplain, and in 1906, upon retirement, was the highest-ranking black man in the U.S. Army. After moving to California, envisioning a town devoted to the prosperity of black people, on August 3, 1908, Allensworth, the all-black town, was founded. Between the civically engaged community, the train depot on the Santa Fe Railroad, and the rich soils for crops, Allensworth and its people thrived, reaching over 300 residents and attracting black thinkers and black educators from all over. But the decline of Allensworth came from the systemic racism inside the utility companies. The Pacific Water Company had promised to build wells within Allensworth in order to provide regular access to water after their current water source ran out. Instead of keeping this promise, they built the wells only in neighboring white neighborhoods. This led to a loss of crop production and a loss of townspeople. Quickly, the town was abandoned. It is now preserved in Colonel Allensworth State Historic Park and can be visited today. Colonel Allensworth was far from the only person who left the South and moved to the West to establish and cultivate thriving and prosperous opportunity and community for Black Americans. Francis Marion Boyer left the South after escaping threats from the Ku Klux Klan and ended up in New Mexico. With a loan from the Pacific Mutual Company, Boyer began a farming business by digging a well to irrigate crops. Not far from Roswell, Blackdom Town Site became the only exclusive black settlement in New Mexico. Founded in 1903 and acquiring a postal account which opened a post office in 1912, Blackdom had over 300 residents. Due to drought, the town was abandoned around the late 1920s. The only remains was the money book from the post office which operated for only seven years, which is now housed in the Postal Museum. Another ghost town of black American history and black American prosperity is Oscarville, Georgia. In 1912, Oscarville was located along the Chattahoochee River and was home to over 1,100 black Americans. Many of whom had been freed from enslavement after joining the fight in the American Civil War. It was a thriving center of small businesses, schools, churches, and community. A new group of white terrorists known as the Night Riders, who formed in this area near Atlanta, made it their personal mission to run black citizens out of town, and Oscarville became their sole focus. In just a couple of years, almost all of the citizens of Oscarville left out of fear of violence or were brutally murdered at the hands of the Night Riders. The deeds of the property owners by the citizens of Oscarville made their way into the hands of white citizens in nearby towns, allowing for the legal steal of land owned by black citizens. By 1950, the land had been sold to the government and plans to build a dam and subsequent lake went into action. The building of the Buford Dam created Lake Lanier, which caused the intentional flooding of the area where Oscarville had resided. In the end, 250 families were displaced and over 50,000 acres of farmland were destroyed. Lake Lanier still serves as a huge reservoir for the Atlanta area, and the remains of Oscarville still stand as a ghost town underneath the water. And racism strikes again. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, I feel like ghost town as a phrase... Again, back to sales for a second, mm-hmm. right? Like it and feels marketing, yeah. and marketing, like it feels like something to drive tourism yeah, or something yeah. like, oh, there's a ghost town and we can blah, 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 mm-hmm. right? And like movies, like people walk through and sure. all that kind of stuff, right? But the reality is that they're remnants of community. Yeah. They're remnants of community that at a time, like a thriving, successful community. Yeah. Somehow, some way. And these are only a few examples of. Sure, of course. Ghost, I mean, there is like such a long history 
with any abandoned town or yeah. any abandoned yeah. site. Not just in the U.S. too. And not just in the U.S. Yeah. And not just within the national park boundaries. Yeah. These ghost towns that we've shared with you today in this episode are only a handful of the towns in America and also only represent a very small select few ghost towns that were created out of the unfair driving out of one group of people by another. The term ghost town is already rooted in colonization. It is inherent in the term. Town is a Western civilization term centered in commerce and money-making and historically doesn't center human worth and community. What it is centered in is white European settler capitalism. What remains in a ghost town are not only the structures of European settlement, but also, and most often, the remnants of continued racism, genocide, and erasure that has always been at the root of creating the country on the land that we also call America. The sources of today's trail mix include the National Park Service and ThurmondWV.org. The article, Ghost Town, emerges from the depths of Lake Mead by Jennifer Folker, published by the Water Environment Federation. The article, The Downfall of Allensworth, How Racism and Lies Destroyed a Black Town in California, by Bilal G. Morris, published on News One. The article, The Haunting of Lake Lanier and the Black City Buried Underneath, an American Horror Story Filled with Terror, Death, Genocide, and Black Ghosts, written by Bilal G. Morris, published on News One. And the article, Welcome to Blackdom, the Ghost Town That Was New Mexico's First Black Settlement, by Leah Binkovitz, published in Smithsonian Magazine. And now, let's end this episode with a game. So, Mike, you've prepared a quick game for us to I have, end this episode I have, on. I have. Since we were talking about ghost towns, um, even though we've just gone over what they are and, you know, how they aren't really rooted in haunting, but we are in spooky season. This mm-hmm. is all about ghosts from literature, this oh, game. Oh, okay, great. So, I've got a few clues. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> i got a few clues for you. <laughs> Great. I can't talk today. I don't know what's wrong with me. So this game is called I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. Okay. Great. For 100. While there are plenty of house ghosts in Hogwarts Castle, this ghost was always particularly helpful with Harry, especially when taking a bath with the second clue from the Triwizard Tournament. Who is Moaning Myrtle? That's correct. Can't believe I remember that. Yeah. Great. Get ready. For 200, this character is visited by four ghosts in total, helping him to change his miserly ways in what may be considered a Christmas miracle. Who is um, Vanessa Williams in A Diva's <laughs> Christmas Carol? And don't say I'm not right. Who is I'm right. Susan Lucci and Abby? In Abby. Um, how do I know you're gay? Uh-huh. Um, Abby is great. Uh-huh. And it's on. I found it on YouTube. Yeah, it's right. great. Obviously, who is Ebenezer Scrooge? Can you name the ghosts? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, there's Jacob Marley yeah. is the first mm-hmm. one. And then Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. Great. There you go. Ta-da. For 300, Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde are all 8-bit character ghosts in this 80s arcade-style video game. What is Miss Pac-Man? Or Pac-Man? What is Pac-Man? Right. I, I'm sure they have different names than Miss Pac-Man. Oh, they might they? be the lady ghosts. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, great. I don't know either. For 400... If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine, says this character to Darth Vader, only to reappear later as a spectral version of himself. Who is Darth Sidious? Mm -mm. No? Okay. This is like original Star Wars. 
Oh, original Star mm-hmm. Wars. Oh, who's Obi-Wan? That's correct. Kenobi. That's right. Okay, That's right. And for 500, this formerly alive, real-life baseball player was the first ghost to appear in Kevin Costner's cornfield and the first to tell him, if you build it, he will come. Oh, God. I know. It's a $500 clue. <laughs> okay. I've seen this movie one time. Okay. I think when I was like seven years old. Okay. So it's this is going to be... Um, I'm going to get it on like the fourth guess. Okay. Who is... Do you know who the actor was that played him? Who's now recently deceased? No. Oh, it was played by Ray... Play, played by Ray Liotta. Yeah. Yeah. Not that that helps who you, Who but... is... Um... Oh, Joe DiMaggio? No, but Joe is in his name. Okay. He's a nickname that starts off his title. And his last name is perhaps the same as the King of Pop. Who is Joe Jackson? Mm-hmm. But he has a nickname that starts at... I don't know. If, if he didn't wear anything on his feet, he might be this. Barefoot Joe Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He... It's shoeless there Joe you Jackson. go. You oh, got I it. I did get it. <laughs> the fourth guess. What I say? <laughs> what did I say? This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard, and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. To find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the gay shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that we're recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey. Thank you.